2: Yes, and good morning, and uh, I hope you brought along your heating blanket, too. <laughs> what a difference a week makes. Hey, Charlie, I'll tell you what. It was so cold this morning that on the way in <laughs> uh, at a TTC shop, I saw Rob Fort and David Miller hugging each other just to keep warm. It was <laughs> quite a scene, quite a scene. I hope you took pictures. Now, that would be worth
3: money. Would it ever, mm. yes.
2: Uh, I'm mm. Franklin Proctor. Uh, mm-hmm. Frankie, good morning. Frankie to my friends. Yeah. And, my sous-chef. Uh, yeah, I'm the sous-chef of the garden, of course. We have our uh, garden guru here, that would be Charlie Dobbins, sitting to my left. If you're looking at us, to my right. However, uh, not nonetheless, we'll be taking questions. We'll be taking questions, or won't uh, through, we? Yes.
4: yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Throughout the morning here, well till ten. And uh, I'm going to give you the phone numbers and the mantra right off the bat. And then Charlie has a whole whack of stuff. Yes, She's I anxious do. To okay. So Toronto uh, callers for the garden show here at AM seven forty four one six three six zero. 0, 740. And then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 740 4740 And our little mantra goes this way, and it's just trying to be fair to all the callers. Uh, call, early call, often one question <laughs> per call. There yeah, you go. Yeah,
3: don't try sneaking yeah, in any extra boy.
2: questions. Some sneaky ones out there.
3: Frank's ready for you. <laughs> okay, a couple of things. Uh, I just wanted to say, um, oh, where do I start? Uh, Well, a few announcements. Uh, Remember, this weekend, the Fine Art Society of Milton is presenting their studio tour, both days, today and tomorrow, from 10 until 5. It's a self-guided tour of Artisans Studios. For more information, go to www.fasm.ca. Now, on this Monday, October the 3rd, the Agent Court Garden Club will be holding their monthly meeting, it starts at 8 o'clock in the evening and goes till 10 p.m. at the Knox United Christian Education Centre, which is at 2575 Midland Avenue. There will be a flower and vegetable show. Those are always the best because uh, it's so neat to see what people bring in and what they've grown. Plus, the speaker is Barbara Gom on the subject of putting the garden to bed. Now, uh, this sounds kind of like something I'm doing. If uh, you're interested in that, putting the garden to bed, I'm uh, presenting something called The Big Freeze, and I'll be doing that in Oshawa the following Monday, October. actually, I guess two Mondays, October 17th, Uh, The Oshawa Garden Club, 7.30 p.m. So I'll be talking about... Where's
2: that located? uh, The Oshawa
3: Oshawa Garden Club meets at the St. George's Ukrainian Heritage Center. So hope to see lots of old friends there.
2: And new ones, fan base, you know. That's right.
3: Speaking of fans, I was telling you a story (laughs) we ran in here a bit late. I was at uh, the county.
2: The last couple of days,
3: Prince Edward County, beautiful visiting a friend who, yeah. yes, bought a beautiful place. So, so neat to actually see, you know, her, her home that she's got, her a couple of acres, or garden she's been working on, and meeting some of her community and her neighbors. And I was joking because uh, um, walking down to the water, Lake Consocon water, the, the neighbor along the lane came rambling out to say hello, carrying an ancient, you know, dog eared <laughs> old white rose garden guide in his hand, saying, Oh, just doing a little light reading. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and of
3: course, I used to edit that guide. So, you know, there's me, you know, 20 years ago, with those <laughs> photographs and everybody had a good, you know, hoot and guffaw looking at uh, what I used to look like. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we had a good old chat about, you know, again, guarding birds. Birds are big, eh? The birding population. Yes, yeah. Boy, yeah. So we had a lot of fun. We did walked, you know, walked the shore, all kinds of neat things. North Beach.
2: I understand it was really windy out there. Super windy. So windy. windy. Indeed, Charlie told me that a chicken laid the same egg three times. It's just (laughs) unbelievable. It's true. I did tell you that, didn't I? (laughs) All
3: right. Uh, Friday, October the 14th, in the evening, so 7 to 9 p.m., have you ever heard of David Tarrant?
2: I must have been, no.
3: No, it doesn't ring a bell. Okay, he is, um, well, you know, he's a pretty famous guy. He's a, he was the well-known host of the TV show The Canadian Gardener. He retired from television. That was on for years and years. Uh, and he was also the UBC's Botanical Gardens Horticultural Director. Uh, he moved to Mexico a few years ago. So he's up here in Ontario presenting the magnificent abundance of the gardens and wildflowers of San Miguel de Allende, which is obviously where he lives, which is beautiful artisans mm-hmm. community in central mexico so he will be speaking at the noel ryan auditorium in mississauga on october 14th which is a friday he don't if you're not available that friday you can also catch him on thursday october the 13th uh, he'll be at the toronto botanical gardens speaking uh, both of those are evenings so okay. yeah lots of cool stuff going on
2: Exactly. And a lot going on here, too. Uh, I noticed that David Gaskin, our producer, has lined up the phone lines already. And we'll be back in just a moment to have a word with Ron in Port Rowan. See what it's like there this morning. Back after these words.
1: You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: And I'm your uh, co-host here. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> oh, thank you very much, uh, the <laughs> sous chef of the garden. Charlie and I were just uh, making sure that we're going to be covering all the bases. We kind of left uh, last week. Uh, the jam. We
3: we are going to do all this. Yeah, I thought you were going to say to me, Charlie, did you do your homework? Well, because after I know all, you did. It's all it's me, right? I do it, but we present it. That's correct. Okay, as long as we're clear. Yes, we've got a jam recipe to share. Had an email about Japanese beetles I'd like to get to if we have a chance. And we had a question last week about the wilting impatience and what's going on there. So uh, all those to get to, but first I think we better talk to some callers. Absolutely.
2: I know Ron has been hanging on the line there from Port Rowan. Good morning, Ron. No, Dawn. Dawn. Oh, I'm sorry, Don. <laughs> I've misread our little okay. monitor here.
5: Good morning, Charlie, and to your undergardener. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, he's really the undergardener today. Good morning, <laughs> Don.
5: We want to talk about crane flies. Mm-hmm. We've uh, had a real infestation
3: down mm-hmm. here
5: this year. My lawn and my neighbor's lawns is just thousands of crane flies. When you walk across the grass, they come up in clouds. So how do we get rid of them?
3: You know what they're doing, eh? They if you look closely, they're actually hovering over your lawn with their bums facing the ground and they're laying eggs.
5: Yeah, well, I figured that, yes.
3: So what do you do? Uh go out there with a really big fly swatter. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like you really actually you do want to Okay, they they're the the insects that look like the monster mosquitoes. But oh, they're, oh, yeah, of course yeah, they 're yeah, not yeah. mosquitoes, yeah. but they look like really big mosquitoes, and they fly around they, We often see them you know in the evening attracted to light, et etc. they are do virtually no damage as adults it 's their larval form that is commonly called leather jackets that eat the roots of grasses and plants, garden plants in general, and yes, they can really be a problem they're the, I, hmm, I don't know of any way to control... They do go up and down with the season. Like, different summers will uh, cause a bigger or smaller population of crane flies to survive
5: and yeah, emerge uh, I, and I realize that. I'm, I'm thinking, eggs. like, for next spring with the grubs.
3: There is a nematode that is specific for leather jackets that you apply in the spring. So you could keep your eyes peeled for that. If you're concerned that, that you know, so many eggs have been laid, laid this fall... Course, they're going to hatch in the spring and the little larvae are going to start eating next spring. So, if you are concerned, it's a very specific, not the same nematode we use for the grubs in August, but a nematode we use for leather jackets in the spring. So, you could uh, apply that. But honestly, if you can do anything to slow down the laying of those eggs that is happening now, do so. You know, if you've got a dog or, you know, run out on the lawn, disturb them, don't, you know, shoo them away, just go lay their eggs somewhere else.
2: And there, there are like hundreds of them. Yeah, and saying. they're big. They're really obvious. Like you can really see them if you
5: look. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, we we all had some pat, bear patches in in the uh, lawns this year, so mm-hmm. we know that, and we found some of the grubs. Mm. But that was in July or something around there, so it was too late to spray, right? Or to
3: yeah. There's mm. no spraying, and of course, if you found the grubs that are that that traditional white. Uh, Insect that's in the shape of the letter C. We call it a mm-hmm. C-shaped insect. A brown head and a white, sort of ugly body. That is a traditional grub of a beetle. That is not um, a crane fly or a leather jacket or anything like that. The leather jacket uh, larvae are are very very small. You wouldn't. You don't even often see them. You just see the damage. Oh really? So what I would do if I were you is be prepared for for both insects to do damage to your lawn, apply the nematodes in the spring to control the ne- the, the um, leather jackets, and then apply the nematodes to control the grubs in August, next August.
5: Um, okay. Do most nurseries carry uh, nematodes?
3: Actually, nowadays they do. Um, wait, you're calling from Port... Where's Port Rowan? Is that... Port down s- Rowan's
5: on the north shore of Lake Erie, about 20 miles west of Port Dover.
2: Right, yeah.
3: Okay, okay. So what's closest to you, I mean, there's a great, uh, and you can do this over the internet as well, is a natural insect control, NIC, uh, is a mail order company uh, based in St. Catharines, who provide, if you don't have a garden center close to you to pick these fresh, alive nematode eggs up and apply in a timely fashion, uh, mail order them from NIC.
5: In St. Catharines.
3: In St. Catharines, natural insect control. Okie dokie. Very good. Thanks, Dawn. Good luck with that. And for anybody else who's listening, if you suspect that these insects are going to cause damage to your lawn, be proactive, apply the nematodes in Mm -hmm. advance.
2: Excellent. So. Okay, good, Love good call, Don. Thank you very thanks. much. Yeah, interesting thing. You know, looking at the clock, you, what we can do is cover off one of our questions or Which, one of your questions uh, before we go to a little break.
3: Thank you, darling. You <laughs> and I welcome. were thinking exactly on the well, same on, train.
2: Oh, Doctor <laughs> Watson, minds, what is uh, well, yes.
3: <laughs> Right. So uh, the question about impatience came up last week from one of our callers, Kathy and Grimsby. Said her impatience just wilted and the flowers dropped off, and they were not a pretty. Site and she wondered what was going on, and I said I didn't have any information. Turns out this has been an issue in the UK starting in 2003. uh, The the patients did exactly what she was experiencing: wilt, defoliation, death of plant, you know, yellowing, and Mm -hmm. you know, not a good looking good looking plants. It was traced back to being a fungus. It was considered downy mildew which was causing this problem it was a very specific downy mildew only confined to the impatience that we grow you know in our gardens the impatience wall it's called now in the UK they jumped all over fung- fungicide spraying and proper preventative uh, you know methods to not spread this fungus in the future everything went really well for the next few years and all of a sudden now we appear Having the problem again in the UK, a lot of death and and destruction of the inpatients, and they're thinking it's now a fungicide-resistant powdery or downy mildew, I should say. Downy mildew, not powdery mildew. So what do you do if you've had this problem? Number one, uh, here's what the suggestions are. You obviously pull up the plants. Mm -hmm. Do not keep them on the property unless you're keeping them to uh, burn them. (laughs) Uh, Do not put them in your composter because you do not want to keep that spore anywhere on your property. So eliminate the plants and the spores from the property if you've had this problem. Um, Now... So that's a big disposal thing. Now, ideally, like they say, burn them or bury them deeper than 20 inches. Now, the the risk of soil contamination, you should rest those areas where you had impatience this year. If you had that problem, do not plant impatience there again next year. Mm-hmm. You need, it's a shady spot, go with some begonias or go with something that, you know, coleus, something that will handle the low this is only light.
2: particular. It's a very specific
3: yeah. fungus that it will only get the impatience. So mm. uh, that's why hopefully the, you know, the spore will will die from lack of something to live on if there is no impatience available in that soil because you're not going to go and excavate all the soil out of your garden. However, if you had containers and your containers show, showed this problem, then definitely eliminate that soil and sterilize, you know, with bleach and water, the pots next year, fill them up with fresh potting soil mm-hmm. again and try impatience again. You, they the, the spore came on the plants you bought, likely, uh, if you haven't had this problem yet. So this thing is you want to try and eliminate the spore from your property. The other thing is consider planting you're from seed, your own impatience. And that way you will not run the risk, hopefully, of having that spore in the plants that you bring
2: onto the property. Okay, some very good suggestions for yeah. everybody, let alone the uh, lady to whom from we Grimsby, we're From uh, Grimsby, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Answering well, the question. We'll be dealing with a jam as we go along through the program, too. <laughs> and we'll get to uh, Bill in Aurelia in a couple of moments, uh, certainly, Bill, so keep hanging on there. In the meantime, I want to make sure you're doing your exercises because, oh, you, you know. know it. In this cold weather, you've got to keep active. And, That's you know. right, and
3: like like we were saying, you know, here's here it is the first Saturday in October, first day of October, and we're at single digits all day. Now I got lots to do in my garden, so you're right. Staying active and being as pain free as possible is important to all of us, to whether we're shoveling snow or golfing or kickboxing like you. Yes. So we use Sierra Sil. Sierra Sil is a mineral nutrient. It's available at all kinds of uh, health food stores in your neighborhood. Including including uh, in the Hamilton area. It's available at Goodness Me. Uh, in St. Catharines, it's available at the Peanut Mill. And I know right here in Toronto, it's available at Ambrosia, fine foods and natural foods. So check it out. It works for us. It may work for you. For more information, give them a call. one eight seven seven joint 14
1: There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues.
2: And a good morning to you, Frank Proctor, humble servant to Charlie Dobbin, the master gardener who holds forth here at (laughs) a.m. 740. And we're going to go have a little word here with Bill calling in from Aurelia. Hi, Bill. How are you doing this morning?
6: Good morning, both of you. morning, Bill. Good to hear from you again. And you. I'll only give you an update on my Ultra Boy tomatoes. All right. We chatted about that back in June. Mm -hmm. A terrific yield. Uh, the tomatoes are small, very thick skin, but oh, sweet! The interior content is so, so, so sweet.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're known for that, aren't they? Tasty. Oh, they are. How, what kind of size did they end up? Did you get good, good, big, meaty ones or not so much?
6: Oh no, you it's said, small.
3: You said small. Yeah,
6: okay. But the the meaty content is so sweet, mm. just delightful. Excellent.
3: It yeah. turned out to be a pretty good season for growing tomatoes yeah, after that I, wet spring. I
6: think there'll be. Uh, I have a bunch that we'll have to ripen in the uh, fruit bowl with, it. <laughs> with the, the apple. The
3: apple. Or what I did is I um, sometimes I'll wrap my I green I know you am too
6: dang lazy. <laughs> well, my
2: so what my wife does apples is... The a...
6: will ripen in a hurry the altar. <laughs> you know, the uh, ethylene gas for yeah.
2: the apples. With the
3: apple. Them. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Bill, my wife if She puts uh, a tomato that isn't quite ripe into a brown paper bag. Oh, same and, idea. And yeah. uh, it, it seems to hurry things along.
6: When, when you have them sitting in front of you, see them ripening with the apples. <laughs> it's great.
3: It's fun. Well, all you need is that little tiny bit of pink or orange or red. As soon as you've got that l- tiny little bit of color, then I just sit them on the windowsill and let them go.
6: Well, sure. Why not? But uh, it's just... Now, getting... The other thing, mm-hmm. I, the first time in about seven years that I've grown sweet sliced cucumbers from Stokes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, they're great. Oh,
3: good to hear they're terrific. Nice, good. But I
6: made a, uh, an error. Instead of just planting two pots, uh-huh. next year I'll stagger, and uh, two and a half to three weeks later...
2: Right. You had a whole pots. influx of cucumbers, eh? Oh, oh gosh, they're terrific. I <laughs> know,
3: uh, but it, it is interesting, that, trying to get the crop planted at the right point, so you just got steady harvest.
6: Well, you're right.
2: Hey, yes. thanks for the update, Bill. We appreciate it. Well, it's always nice to hear back from know, listeners. You you and-
6: take... Uh, a slice of bread. Yeah. Butter it. Cut it from top to bottom. Three slices of of sweet slice. Mm, Salt oh, pepper.
2: That sounds good. So and mayonnaise. Good.
6: Oh. You've got a sandwich pit for a queen. I was
3: <laughs> gonna say you like Frank starting to salivate yes. here. Mm.
2: <laughs> Thanks a lot, Bill. <laughs> talking to thank you so okay. much. Okay. Take Perfect. care of my really friend. Keep in
6: touch.
3: Uh, thank you. Please do. Charlie. Y-
6: Yes. Later on, we have to talk about composting. All right,
3: we'll do that. We are—it's totally getting to that time of the year, isn't it? One more time. Thanks, Bill. Take care. Uh,
2: Nine twenty-eight here uh, at AM seven forty. Well,
3: Bill's call was perfectly timed oh, yeah. because, of course, he's talking about these green tomatoes he's taken off and he's popping them into the fruit bowl with the apple. However, we do have another thing you can do with your green tomatoes, and that is make jam. Now, all you do—it's very simple. Three cups of green, unripened tomatoes, washed and cored. So, you know, you don't want every single seed. You certainly don't want the core. Two cups of white sugar. Two packages of either raspberry or strawberry jam. That's all your ingredients. Boil the tomatoes and the sugar together for about 10 minutes. Then add the powdered jello in. Again, continue to boil gently for another 10 more minutes. And pour that red sticky mass into sterilized jars, seal them up, and you've got the most amazing jam that is made out of green tomatoes and nobody will believe it. Wow. They'll all think, that it's... sounds
2: so weird, doesn't it? And yeah, I
3: mean... it? Everybody is convinced that this is actual strawberry jam, and it's not. It's strawberry jello and green tomatoes making an excellent jam.
2: Excellent. Well, now, there. The, uh, That's another
3: the... thing to do with your green tomatoes.
2: Taking care of all your homework. Good for you.
3: Almost. Well, I have almost. an email to
2: share to All later. Alrighty, <laughs> Warren from Scarborough on the line here to AM seven Charlie Durbin Garden Show. Good morning, Char- Charlie Durbin. 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 <laughs> Charlie not <Durbin>. hi, <laughs> the old the old Garden Show. Hi, Warren. Good morning. Morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. <laughs> morning, Warren.
7: Uh, my subject's tomatoes, but uh, just for your first caller, Dawn uh, and his crane flies. Uh-huh. My lawn service wants to spray for crane flies, so he might want to try a lawn service.
3: I wonder what they're gonna they want to spray.
7: I don't know. But my I don't have a big infestation. I've only seen a couple, so I'm not really worried about it. But he might want to try a lawn care company. Okay, so
3: good point. All right. Well, hopefully Don from Port Rowan is still listening. But, yeah, the lawn care companies do have access to chemicals, and because they have pesticide licenses, they can spray things that you can't, and they can access things that right. we
7: can't. Now, my, getting to my tomatoes, mm-hmm. uh, we have three composters in our backyard. They're about two and a half feet high, and they're about two feet long on each side, and they're square. Mm-hmm. Um, We have a a container in the kitchen that we put water in and we put our vegetable and fruit feelings in there and dump them in the composter. Mm -hmm. So early in June, I looked in one of the composters and I brought my wife over and I said take a look in the composter. Right in dead center, there was a plant. And I said, mm-hmm. that looks like a tomato. Mm-hmm. Oh, go on. She says, yeah, maybe. So a little while sure later, it got, when it got big enough, uh-huh. sure enough, it was a tomato plant. So I put four stakes in there. And oh, you I, left uh, it in there, yeah. Put some twine around to hold it up. <laughs> yeah. Now it's over five feet tall.
3: Oh, yeah. Wow, nothing like growing in compost, right? Yeah. It's it's the best.
7: I climbed over the fence. There's over 30 tomatoes on it. Oh, neat. Some of them are as big as baseballs. No really? kidding. Wow. And... Uh, that's but Some of them have, uh, they they ripen prematurely when they're a little small or medium size, mm-hmm. and you pick them and there's a black spot on the bottom, a soft black uh. spot. Do you know what that would be?
3: Well, that black spot on the bottom is an actual um, physiological problem that sometimes happens to tomatoes. It's called blossom end rot, and that's literally what's happening. The, where the blossom end was, the tomato is rotting. Well, no, that's and, what it looks like. And rot. it affects the, the flavor of the tomato, unfortunately.
7: Mm-hmm. I, well, we had those on our regular plants, too, on some of them, so I just wondered what it was.
3: Well, it would be unusual, I think, to have blossom end rot on tomatoes growing in the composter, because why we usually find that? Well, they, they t- we used to think it had to do with lack of calcium in the soil. Since then, in the last two or three years, a certain amount of research and, and study has gone into what this whole phenomenon is all about, and they've t- tended to say that the Blossom end Rot happens to tomatoes that are being grown in perfectly good soil, but they're having very inconsistent access to water. And that, for whatever reason, causes this... You know, distress to happen to the plant, but in a composter, it's usually traditionally fairly moist. So yeah, well, I'd be we, surprised. Yeah,
7: well, we like I say, we dump the water and yeah. the feelings in there. Every yeah, day. every day. So, so it, it's getting lots of water. Lo- if
3: maybe too much water, almost. You oh, know indeed. what I mean? Yeah, they, you know, it might have just been too soggy for something like that to happen. But that's that's been really sort of the upshot on what they believe Blossom Blossman Rod. It's mm-hmm. all about consistent access to the right amount of moisture. Well, Warren,
2: oh. I, I'd love to get, uh, have you take a picture of this and uh, shoot it to Charlie.
7: Yeah, good idea. Yeah. We, did, we did take a couple of pictures. Excellent. Great. Yeah, if you so, can. Uh, when we get them developed, we'll send them one along. Oh, okay, perfect. that's fabulous. Thank Thanks, you very Warren. much.
3: Good. Oh. That's a great story. Okay. Thanks okay, so much. Bye bye Have now. a good weekend. You, you too. Bet. Bye and bye. by the way, Stay if you warm. wanted to
2: get in touch with Charlie via the email, uh, and you could send along a photo there, I would suspect, yes, if right? Yes, you can. Yep, absolutely. Okay, C. Dobbin, that's C as in Charlie, Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N at am740.ca.
3: Well said. Thank Thank you, you, sir. Uh, and it's interesting what Warren was saying about you know something coming up in the composter. I've definitely had tomatoes come up in yeah. the ground where tomatoes have fallen, but also you know in my garden and also in the composter. One of my favorites though is when the mango pits uh, germinate, and all of a sudden you get little mango mango tree growing in your composter. Of course these are Exotic. a tropical yeah. <laughs> plant; they're not going to survive, <laughs> but they do look really neat growing, right? You know all these little mango trees all standing up in the composter.
2: Well, I'm going to check some ID here. Are we going to have Charlie check? <laughs> Some ID. <laughs> <clears throat> Russ in Port Perry is calling in. Good morning, Russ. Hi, Russ. Hello, good morning. Good morning. I'm just uh, wondering, it's just kind
8: of a funny question here. I've had this plant uh, since 1990, and it's it uh, just looks like green green leaves mm-hmm. and it grows right down on the floor. I've I've cut it off five or six times, but it just keeps growing right down on the floor. Suddenly another one of my friends had one that went right around the roof. I just don't know the name of it.
3: <laughs> what, what shape are the leaves? Are they heart shaped?
8: Uh, no, they're like uh, oh, like yeah, I guess they are like kind of heart shaped. Yeah, they're they're big green leaves. They look beautiful, but all the time. Oh,
3: but... big as in like eight or ten inches across. That pardon. A, um, big as in 8 or 10 inches across?
8: Uh, they're about 6 inches across.
3: 6 inches across. But, and they're just straight green?
8: Yeah, they're just straight green. They've got a bit of whitish yellow in them. And, like just a tiny bit of whitish yellow in them.
3: Okay. It, if it's a, and it sounds like a vining plant, like you're saying it, it's growing down to the ground or it can grow up something if you train it up?
8: Yeah. If you turn, 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 put it up in a root and put it along a root, it can grow right around the root.
3: Yeah, exactly. I, you know what I think it is? It sounds like to me something called Pothos. Pothos. P as in Peter. Yeah. A, T as in Tom. H, O, S. Pothos. Pothos. Oh. That's what it sounds like to me. And if it's not that, I mean, it could be philodendron, which tends to be more just a straight green plant with a bigger leaf. But yeah. pothos is lovely. Kind of, you know, it's all kind of marbleized greens and whites and yellows.
8: Yeah, it's just mostly, mostly green. Yeah. It's got a bit of white
2: in it. That's
3: it. it. Well, it has to do with how much light it gets, how variegated it will be. So the darker it is, the greener
2: it will be. Do you have yeah. access to a computer, by any chance, uh, Russ? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Well, even at the library, if you yeah. go and you pothos. can use the library there, just Google. Uh, Pothos and anyone at the library would be glad to help you out. Yeah, and get some
3: images it. and then
2: you'll yeah, know then you'll for know sure f- what you've yeah. got.
8: Oh, that's very good. I just had it for all these years. Yeah. I don't
3: <laughs> well, just give it a name and that's what it'll be. Okay. <laughs>
2: okay. Thank you. you are very list- much. Thank Thanks, you. Russ. You hey, are bye-bye. listening to the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show, broadcasting from uh, 550 Queen Street East the corner of River and Queen, where we overlook the beautiful beer store. And... Uh, get, <laughs> well, yeah, well, you got yeah.
3: that on your brain, did you?
2: Well, yes. It's <laughs>
3: handy having that beer store there, we're, I we're find. We're at the weekend. Well, Come I, on. We always get so thirsty doing the show, too. Wait, before you're going to rush off to anybody, let me um, uh, just do something about, uh, talk a bit about Japanese beetles.
2: Let's do that. All right, thank you. Awesome.
3: Thank you. Uh, okay, I did get an email. Uh, it was from Sandra... And she said, we enjoy your show. I have had the curse of the Japanese beetle for the past few years. But this year was the worst, and we lost all our roses. Uh, in this particular situation, there are hanging catchers, which fill every week. And they were spraying. I don't know what exactly what spraying. Picking and squashing. But nothing helps. Ooh, you start. You just got this little shiver yeah. running through you, picking and squashing. <laughs> I heard you talking about the subject, but most, missed most of what to do. So here's uh, what I'm suggesting, Sandra. Because there is no question, um, Japanese beetles, big problem for a lot of us. And this year was very bad. It was I, and I mentioned it last week that suddenly we're seeing Japanese beetles in places we've never seen them before. They ha- they are an imported insect, alien invasive, as they say, from Japan originally. Now, honestly. Oh, every bit of research I've ever done indicates that the best and most effective way to control Japanese beetles is to go into your garden with a jar of soapy water and knock the beetles into it in the morning. <clears throat> now, you once you find one, you're going to find a lot more because they feed in groups Uh, They start at the top of the plants, so you just get your little jar, you start at the top, you flick them into that jar of soapy water, they will die and drown, obviously, in the soap and the water. You can also spray, but it's a lot harder to kill a Japanese beetle by spraying because you've got to coat the entire body of the insect, and they tend to get inside, like roses, they get inside the flowers. So, you know, if you start moving the petals around, you're going to find five or six beetles inside any one flower, You're not going to just find one sitting on the leaves. So that's where that, you know, sort of be prepared to pick and squish and and pop them into some water. The the traps that I I believe our um, email uh, caller (laughs) listener sent was talking about that she said she had traps up and they empty them and they're full every week. Those are the pheromone traps. They were designed as a way to count the Japanese beetles. So they do attract
2: them. (laughs) <laughs> right. So, because <laughs> that's not, that's not good. Maybe.
3: Yeah, I was going to say you. Pr- the the theory is that you will probably end up with more beetles coming into your yard if you have these pheromone traps up, because the the intention was to track and these were tracking traps rather than elimination traps so what i would do is keep the traps put them over on your neighbor's yard and uh, you know just go over there every day or every second day and empty them or work something out maybe you back onto a ravine or a schoolyard some place where you can public space you can put the traps far from your property, mm-hmm. attract all the Japanese beetles to the traps, and then meanwhile keep on picking and squishing, I'm sorry to say. Keep in mind, though, Japanese beetles become grubs, which are the ones we find in our lawn, so get your nematodes ready at the in early August every year. You can lower the Japanese beetle population and all those grubs with the use of, of nematodes on our lawns in early August.
2: Very good indeed. Thank you. And I see by uh, the clock on the wall, there's a dead fly on it. Uh, no, <laughs> it's not, not Nine, almost uh, 9.39, so well, we're going to come back and talk in a moment with uh, Leah in Port Colburn on the uh, shores of beautiful Lake Erie, but in the meantime, speaking of water, I'm seeing uh, a virtual Synchro dance. Synchro swimming. <laughs> it looks like you're doing water ballet over there. That's
3: me, yeah. multi-talented. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting ready to get outside into the cold day, and I know I've got a lot of work to do in my garden, and I uh, didn't. They haven't pulled my long underwear out yet. So staying limber and staying active is important. Sierracil helps me be pain-free because my knees get awfully sore when I sit a lot. And so I get out in the garden, like I spent the entire Sunday last week on my knees trying to get rid of this English ivy out of my garden. And yeah, it uh, didn't hurt too much when I got up. Sierracil, mineral supplement. Keeps me limber and pain-free. Might work for you. Doesn't work for everybody, but works for most people. Okay. So and- for more information, they have a 1-877-JOINT-14 phone number. They also have a wonderful website, Sill. .ca, and you can pick up Sierra Sil at your local health food store, uh, Whole Foods, which they're all over uh, southern Ontario. They carry it. So you can pick it up right off the shelf as well.
2: And by uh, by the way, uh, you're going to be going home, and getting that long underwear, <laughs> checking the buttons on that trap door at the back. <laughs> and if they're loose, my wife, Di, will sew them back on for you. She's a very good seamstress. Excellent. Good to know. No problem at all. <laughs> Just bumming around here. It's AM 740. <laughs>
1: friends say she's down to earth and that's usually where you'll find her welcome back to the am 740 garden show with charlie dobbin
2: and frank procker the sous chef of the garden boy i'll tell you the wind's coming off late here It must be rather chilly this morning we'll check that out chatting here with leah from port colborne good morning leah hello leah good morning yes hi good morning
9: yes good morning charlie um For the last several years, I have grown beans, the climbing beans. They're a purple and green bean Mm
5: -hmm. when
9: they're growing and turn green when they're cooked. And they've always been very prolific. Last year, I started getting what look like ladybugs, but they're orange Mm -hmm. and they have more spots. And they are devouring the leaves and the beans. And I'm getting hardly any produce at all from them.
3: So they're orange with black spots, and they look like a ladybug. Are they the same kind of size as a ladybug?
9: Yes, and they start off as a yellow grub that is um, kind kind of hairy. Mm -hmm. And as the hairs go away, they start to turn orange and get spots. But they look just like a ladybug when Hmm. they're grown, but more spots.
3: And and when the little grubs... the little larvae or caterpillars—they obviously were chewing on the bean plants, the leaves, etc. And yeah. then you—and then you saw the little beetles chewing on the the bean plants as well.
9: Yes, um, they aren't actually a caterpillar. They're the same. They're a little bit longer, more like an oval-shaped bug. Oh, Okay. And they are bright yellow. And Mm. my neighbor and I are both going crazy with them, and we've been spraying with weed be gone, and soapy water and everything, and nothing seems to work.
3: Hmm. And when did you first see them? What time of year? June time? They start as soon as the weather gets nice and warm. So this year, that was like June.
9: Yeah. The beans were only, oh, maybe two foot high, and they grow to about 80 feet. They Hmm. were about two foot high when we started to get in the bugs, Hmm. and started picking them off by hand. Yeah. When you see the newly laid or newly hatched larva, there's a, a yellow patch of them on the leaf, and as they grow, they go into... I see them in the different stages.
3: Hmm. I'm, I'm not... I don't know exactly what the bug is. sounds... Making me think of, you know, um, whatever, Colorado potato leaf beetles. It's just making me think of certain bugs when you're saying all this. But here's the two solutions or two suggestions I have. One is... You're right about the soapy water. Now, we're not talking detergent with our water. We're talking soap with the water. Okay. And oh, i
9: using washing up liquid.
3: Yeah, So and it won't work. Detergent will not kill insects. Soap will. Uh, and do. the way it works is the soap and the water uh, sprayed. As long as the insects' little bodies are coated in the soap... The insects will be asphyxiated because they can't breathe with soap covering their bodies because they breathe through holes in their body. Now that's whether it's the little ugly yellow larvae or you know grubby looking things or it's little beetles. Either way, soap will work.
2: And when you say soap, Charlie, uh, best to go to maybe a garden center and ask for. You
3: can buy soap. soap yeah. Exactly, it'll be you know Safers makes a soap insecticide. Soap. Yep, yeah. Scotts makes a soap uh, insecticide. Or okay. the other one is obviously um, downy. Is it downy? Uh, yeah, bo- bottom line is you don't want to use detergent. So if it says you know dishwashing detergent, don't use it. You need soap. So you can buy okay. soap in the in a in a grocery store, but mix that forty to one soap. And water, okay. uh, and you spray that. Now that has to be sprayed on contact daily, early or late in the day, not at high noon. And no, but you will
9: water first thing in the morning, but yeah. before the sun's really up.
3: Yeah. So so, and that will obviously lower the population. It will never eliminate every insect, but it'll certainly lower the population. The other suggestion I have is something that I think we're going to really, as a, as a bunch of gardeners, get into using in a bigger way. It's something called floating row. Cover.
9: It's like cheese. It's very difficult to hear you, so could you repeat that? Sure. Name and I'll I'll spell it out.
3: Okay, just the word floating as in float. F L O A T.
9: F L O. Okay,
3: float, like Frank, F as in Frank, loat, Frank. So float, row, R O W, cover. So all that is. Yeah, and you know what, we might even have to put something up on the on our web for this, just because this is something that I swear to God is gonna be a much bigger deal. It's like cheesecloth. It goes over top of our young plants in the spring. Mm-hmm. It protects them from insects landing and starting to chew on our plants. It's a very lightweight material. The plants can grow underneath. This, this cover, and yes. of course sunshine gets through and water gets through. Uh, okay. It's held down along the edges with rocks or soil or whatever, and yeah. you, you obviously, as the plants grow, we loosen the material to allow the plants to grow beneath it. It's so lightweight, it doesn't require a frame to hold it up, it just sits right on top of the plants, and you know, it floats uh, over the, the plants, basically.
9: It, the trouble is these are growing up a wire frame. Right. Because they grow to 8 feet. Yeah. More than still hanging.
3: Yeah, exactly. So there's, you know, again, how do you drape something like that? But that's ultimately, whether it's picking, spraying, or actually covering to, to protect, that's going to be ultimately what we're going to be doing to, uh, to keep some of these insects away from our preferred plants, our crops and our ornamental okay. plants.
9: Maybe I'll try draping it over the whole thing. Yeah, plant. you may yeah, be able could, to. Could yeah. well do.
3: Yeah, and, and it's sold just under, that's exactly what it's called. Of course, there'd be different trademarks and you know, name brands out there, but the actual item that you're using is called a floating row cover when you're, when you're considering see. using this as a way to protect your plants. Okay. Okay. Thank you Thanks Thank for you your very call. much for
2: the call. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, that call from Port Colburn. Now, uh, let's uh, go up toward the Kawarthas. Eh? And have a Alrighty. little chat here with Richard. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. morning. Lindsay. Huh? Right.
8: Good morning. My question is this I
2: want to
8: seed um, hollyhocks, mm-hmm. and I have the seeds from my other hollyhocks. And my question is do I seed them in the fall or wait till spring?
3: So the seeds you have were from hollyhocks that bloomed this summer? Yes. And they bloomed at another location? Yes. And you collected the seeds and you brought them to where you are now?
8: I have them here inside, and I'd, I want to know, should I seed them somewhere else in the fall or in the spring?
3: I would seed them in the fall. In the fall? Yep. And you know why? Because in nature, those seeds would have naturally fallen to the ground, Yes, I in know. August and September, they sit literally almost on the surface of the soil all through the fall and winter and sprout either in the fall or in the spring. They need that cold period, that winter. So I would sow them outdoors under a very tiny little bit of soil, uh, obviously mark where you're sowing them so you know where they are, and plant, you may see them this fall because we have some nice weather still coming. This is a little blip of cool this weekend. It's going to get much nicer. October is going to be gorgeous. Sunny, dry, warm, things will continue to grow. We can continue to transplant, et cetera. So I would definitely get them in the ground sooner than later.
8: So in the next few days, I just um, seed them and covered them a little bit with some nice soil.
3: Exactly. And make sure you're, you're sowing them in a sunny spot. They want full sun.
8: Definitely. Okay. And I don't water them.
3: Uh, well, it, I would be inclined to water them because I think we're going to see that we're not going to, after this sort of horrible cold rain that we're having right now, we may not have any rain for a week or two. So for sure, I'd water them. Pretend, you're, pretend your mother nature be the be be the little rain cloud if we're not getting rain. Uh, but don't worry about watering every day. Just do a sort of a thorough watering and give it a week. If we don't have any rain, water again.
2: Very good. Thank okay. you very much. <laughs> Thanks so Thanks, much. Richard. Have a good day. <laughs> you bet. AM 740, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. will return with more callers in just a couple of moments after these words.
1: You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: Can you believe that time? Wow, we better rush right <laughs> along here because we do have folks waiting online right now. Uh, let's see, we have uh, in Scarborough, Enith calling in. Hello, good morning.
4: Yeah, hello, good morning. Morning. Yeah, I'll make it short. I have uh, an old, old euronymous,
0: mm-hmm.
4: variegated leaves. Mm-hmm. Never had any problems with it. But now all of a sudden the whole, the, the new growth at the top is clean, mm-hmm. but otherwise it has a, I thought they were aphids, but I've never seen them like that. It's just like a little white, white yellow streak, you
3: know. And it's attached to the bark on the stems. Pardon me? The little blobs you're seeing are are attached to the I stems. can hear you. Okay, I don't know why. Um, I've got my mouth as close to the <laughs> mic. I will just crank that up maybe yeah, a little bit.
4: I, I adjust it here too, yeah.
3: All right. <clears throat> the, the little bugs you're seeing. they it's are the
4: bugs. It's just like a little streak. They don't move or anything. It's just like a...
3: But they're on the, brand, they're on the stems, on the bark. They are
4: on the leaves. All the leaves are covered and yep. the stems are covered.
3: Okay. So actually, believe it or not, I know they don't look like bugs, but they are bugs. Well, they are, yeah. yeah. It's a. It's called euonymus scale.
4: No, it's not like scale. They oh. are thin little... I can't even tell you what. Just like a little piece of something, you know? Like glue? Well, you know what? When scale
3: is young, the little nymphs uh-huh. uh, are tiny. They're, they're very, very small. It's just like a little streak. Okay, a little streak. But It's it,
4: about it, a millimeter
3: long. But it, it is an actual raised bump on the surface. No, no, no it's not. Okay. There's two things that, that get you euonymous two things. One is called crown gall, and that is a bacterial infection that happens right at the base, right at ground level yeah. to euonymus. And you'll see it, it almost looks like brain matter right at the, I know it really is odd looking, right at the soil surface. Mm-hmm. That is a bacteria that ultimately often kills the euonymus. The other thing that that can really hurt and ultimately kill euonymus is an insect called scale but it starts very now, very scale small I've seen. yeah you yeah. have okay no,
4: there's nothing like it
3: okay so mm. so you're just seeing like it's a streaking you're saying on the leaves on the bar
4: just about a millimeter long hmm. very thin
3: very thin and no, nothing that you can pick
4: off with your thumbnail or well i can push it off yeah but it, it doesn't smudge or anything like it's so like a bug you know It's just a dry little...
3: Yeah. Well, um, Yeah. I mean, the the life cycle of scale is very interesting because they do grow a shell, and they're called oyster shell scale, Mm -hmm. that, you know, really protrude from the the plant. I would be inclined to think that that's what's happened, though, really, honestly. Now, it, it may not be, but what you would do to just to do a sort of a good proactive control for the euonymus i would get a hold do you have any horticultural oil or dormant oil Uh, yes i do i would mix the dormant oil and water as per fall instructions Uh and i would spray that plant not obviously today or tomorrow but maybe on monday when the rain and the wind and everything has stopped Get so a dorm- do it in the fall yep yeah, well I would do it now just because now is the time if you're seeing something untoward <laughs> uh, insects can do wreak huge problems very quickly they can procreate extremely fast so I would there's nothing wrong with using dormant spray in the fall mm-hmm. just follow the fall instructions
4: mm-hmm.
3: okay and of course euonos is never really dormant in the I, sense I that thought maybe I have to
4: cut it down completely
3: well I mean you may have to but but <clears> in an effort to try and save it I would use the dormant spray now mmm Okay. But I've
4: Never in my life seen anything like it before.
3: Hmm. Again, if you wanted to take, if you have access to a digital camera and want to send photos, I'd be happy to take a look and see if I can be a little more diagnostic
4: or about this. I'll take to the garden center and find out. There you go. Sure. Good idea. <clears throat> yeah. okay. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. Thanks.
2: Try the garden center, but when really in doubt, call Charlie Dobbin. That's what I would suggest. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. of course. But it's true. You know, find a garden
3: center. Find people that are good yeah. mentors to you. Sometimes it's your next-door neighbor. Sometimes or it's your mom. Or a member of the garden club That's in right. Your area. Yeah, or the Hort Society, right? Exactly. Don't be afraid to find experts in your area. To If you don't have a garden center with good staff that you can rely on, don't hesitate to go that route. Now, just to um, repeat, I did give that green tomato jam recipe, that I know is so popular and I've had su- such good feedback. Of course, I originally got that recipe from a caller a number of years ago. So thank you to, to I forget her name who sent it to me, but um, bottom line, the recipe is on our website as well. So you can go to am740.ca, look under hosts, look under my name, Charlie Dobbin, and the recipe is right there. So if you missed what I gave, it's there.
2: And as you're, long as you're online, you might check our iPods. You can listen oh, iPods. to any iPod, our a podcast, your iPod. Yeah, listen to me. <laughs> you're <laughs> such a techno, techno wizard. I'm a techno wizard. <laughs> mm. <laughs> got that phone that hangs up? You know they put you. Because know, you
3: have still got the rotary the rotary don't phone. You, yeah, you, you need the finger to <laughs> to turn the dial, right?
2: No, but uh, you can check all the uh, shows that we've we've uh, done here. And they're all archived. Yep, just yeah. go iTunes and uh well two,
3: two routes one yeah. is iTunes and there's the last 12 shows are archived on iTunes but all the shows are archived on our website at am740.ca so every, there's more than 12 there
2: Okay. Like, now, how cool is that? You've got a pretty busy week coming up. I'm just all... Oh, back in the garden there. Yeah, back in the
3: garden. I mean, we've got Thanksgiving. We, and we're we actually, in our family, doing a Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur brunch tomorrow. We're putting it all together. I mean, it's crazy time of year. I love this, though. It's all wow. about harvest. Wait,
2: okay, what sort of food now?
3: Uh, lux. It's all about lux and bagels for, the, oh, for this particular family. I love for brunch. lux and bagels. Yes, oh, and my
2: gosh, yes. Little capers on top. Right, um, yeah. Do Jews
3: don't do capers. Oh, only, is that right? only wasps do that. But whatever. Okay. Well, no, go <laughs> Here, on. You're I'm clearly. A, I'm a you yeah, yeah you're, am you're, you're identifying yourself. <laughs> I only learned this from my husband's family. Don't worry, my family uses capers. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of
2: pepper, Bloody Mary. Yeah, hey, yeah. good to go. We're, we're, we're good to go, and we better go because the guys from uh, Dave's Corner Garage should have arrived They're, they're setting
3: up in there. They've got yes, a big pretty, really
2: big shoe Me- coming. Really, ready big shoe. Meantime, uh, next week, same time, same stage
3: and you have another show coming up after this as well 11
2: o'clock i'll be back
3: and of course you'll be here all night doing nuit blanche
2: won't you well yes i'll be out there seeing what's happening
0: art wise cool tons of stuff going on
3: good for you all right well thanks again frank thanks dave thanks to our callers see you next week
0: this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740